Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Nathan Berry. I'm the CEO at ConvertKit, and I'm joined by my co-host, Barrett Brooks. He's the COO here at ConvertKit, and we're on a mission to help creators earn a living. This show is about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. Welcome to episode 30 of uh, The Future Belongs to Creators. 30 episodes? 30 episodes. I don't know if I signed up for this. <laughs> I think you signed up for a lot more than 30, Barrett Brooks. Do you like how I got your name in there? That way I didn't have to intro you later. It's just... It's like when TV shows introduce characters. They're, they're never like, and this is Saul Berenson. He's the <laughs> former director of the CIA. He just walks in. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, Barrett, good to see you. And then uh-huh. we know that, yeah. How did we get on this topic? <laughs> what is this show even about? Okay. Um, episode 30. What's it about? It's about how to use Twitter to grow your audience. And I think it'll be a good episode. I can predict that in advance. But before we get there, Barrett, how are you doing today? Uh, you know, let's see. How am I doing today? Um, <laughs> I kind of worked like a full work day yesterday. Uh, we have our, we've mentioned this, but we have our, our board meeting coming up next week. And it was really important to us that we got the kind of prep materials out to the board a full week in advance for the first time ever, actually. And I'm really proud of the fact that we delivered on that yes. first thing Monday morning. We sent that prep material packet out and uh, they're going to have plenty of time to get ready, um, which means we'll have plenty, plenty of time to get ready, too, instead of just scrambling. But that also meant I kind of lost my Sunday. Uh, so I'm taking a half day today. This is my half day right now. It's happening. By half um, day, you mean a half hour? Because that's how long this episode is. So. Yes. <laughs> no. I'm kidding. You have uh, other things you're doing today, but a half day is a good thing. Yeah. I'm like green, yellow. I finished my retaining wall over the weekend that I've been working on the past three weeks. Uh, so I got some manual labor in, got some brain labor in and got to hang out with my son this morning. How you doing? I'm good. I had a good weekend. Um, what did we do? I spent a lot of time building things this weekend. I refinished a table that's on my back patio. Well, really I stained all the siding for my tiny house. And then when I finished that, I had some siding left over or some stain left over. And I was kind of looking for something to put it on. And so I sanded and stained a table as well. And then we have goats on our farm. And Hillary needs to new spots for some of the goats. So we built a little house for some of the goats. It's like a six by eight. It's basically like a a large shed. Um, And I did half of that last weekend and the other half this weekend. So would you like to know a completely irrelevant side story? Uh, <laughs> I, shout I out to all the people. A, I have an option. So yes. Shout out to shout out to all the listeners who love the random banter at the beginning of our shows. <laughs> Listen, it's only 1202. We can, we get at least two more minutes of this. Okay. Uh, so my parents have this little cabin up in North Carolina, uh, way Western North Carolina. And I grew up in Atlanta. And so we would drive up there, uh, up 985, I think was the highway. And on the way in North Georgia, there is in the middle of nowhere off right off the highway, there is this little place, kitschy place called Goats on the Roof. And as you might guess, there are goats on the roof of this place. It's like a little farm stand, like a uh, souvenir shop, candy okay. shop, feed the goats kind of place. And they've got this whole like, goat world where they can go up on the roof and then they've got ramps down a little petting area and everything 
Anyways, so uh, shout out to Goats on the Roof in North Georgia. I hope y'all are doing well. I would imagine you're not open right now, but I, I hope you make it through the the closing of everything. That's pretty cool. That uh, I wonder if the goats at one point just climbed on the roof and they're like, yeah, that's what we'll call the place. <laughs> <laughs> and then they turn it into a thing where the goats are actually allowed on the roof. Speaking of um, kids on the roof, see what I did there? Kids, goats, you know, transitioning to the two-legged kind of kids. I realized... We have a, a fairly large barn that has two different roof pitches going on it. And so it, it it's quite tall. I don't know, 30 feet tall, something like that. What we realized when August, my soon-to-be six-year-old, um, climbed up on the roof of this little goat shed that we made, which with a small ladder he can get up to, that it's actually not too difficult to get from there up onto the full barn and then from there up onto the all the way up onto the top of the barn. And it's just one of those things where we realized, huh, I just built a very large stepladder that he is now going to use to get on top of the buildings because <laughs> that's what he does. He loves to climb on things. So we got to figure out, well, we have to have a conversation about that. <laughs> like, yeah, please don't. Solid boundary setting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, with that out of the way. Uh, <laughs> Well, with that natural transition point, let's get into it. Let's talk about Twitter because um, that's our topic and uh, we're both big fans of Twitter. Why don't you kick off the topic and uh, we'll go from there. Okay. Well, um, I mean, we both use Twitter regularly and it's it's been kind of my primary place where I built an audience other than my email list. Um, I, I don't know. I have in the neighborhood of just under 5,000 subscribers, I think, on or subscribers, followers on Twitter. That really means not very much other than that there's an okay number of people following me on there. Um, I think you have something more in the neighborhood of like 20,000 or yep, something. There. So it's been, it's been a great place. But more importantly, I think it's been a place where both you and I have met really interesting people over time. And uh, kind of an initial point of connection for people who have gone on to be podcast guests on shows that I've run and um, fellow attendees at conferences and ultimately friends. Uh, Twitter was kind of the place where I met a lot of those people. But beyond that, it's also the primary place where I promote content that I make, where I share original ideas when I like can't bring myself to actually write a full essay or something like that. I'll often share extended thoughts on Twitter and it gets really good engagement. And I, I really enjoy it because I end up having some pretty good conversations there. So um, I think we've both had the same experience and we thought we'd kind of dig in on how we use the platform, um, why we think that's led to some of the growth mm-hmm. of our following there um, and how we might get started today on on using it. So I thought maybe we'd start off with like, uh, is Twitter even still relevant given all of the other platforms out there from YouTube to Instagram to TikTok and Snapchat and everything else that um, that exists out there today? Does Twitter still even matter all that much? You know, there's probably much younger, much hipper people that you should ask, but I would say for our group, uh, Twitter is very relevant and for our business, it's very relevant. And so I think that as you're picking a platform, like you kind of got to pick one platform outside of email to go all in on, maybe two. I think you can have a primary and a secondary. So it might be like Twitter and YouTube or Instagram and YouTube or yeah, YouTube and Facebook, for example. I've seen people build big audiences on Facebook, though I don't spend you know hardly any time there. Twitter is that one that I just feel most at home with. And so when I come in, it's like, oh, these are my people. This is how it's like weirdly thoughtful if you find the right demographic of people to follow. 
Yeah, so certainly for us, Twitter is still relevant. Um, I'm seeing people build bigger audiences than ever on Twitter. Uh, I'm seeing audiences grow really, really quickly there, um, which is interesting. I think that's one thing you could watch for in a platform is like how, with deliberate effort, how quickly could you grow an audience? I think Twitter has a lot of potential in the same way that Instagram has a lot of potential. We see people build these crazy big audiences. So maybe in the same way we were talking last week about, you know, should you go YouTube versus a podcast? It, it depends on the type of content. If it's like thoughtful written content, then Twitter is a good, good place for it. Or even, you know, it doesn't have to be thoughtful. It could be controversial. It could be, you know, but if it's, if it's this written content, it does well. But if you're doing something much more visual, um, then I would say like Twitter is not the best place for it. They don't handle media nearly as well as say Instagram. So that, that visual thing, right? We're getting into fashion, design, travel, any of those things. Then like Instagram is going to be your place. Um, but I think for a huge demographic, Twitter is a, a great place to be. Yeah, I think so too. And, and one of the things I love about it, and this is true of a lot of platforms, but I, I found it especially to be true about Twitter is that it's very egalitarian and that you can follow anyone. And um, as we'll get into, a lot of times you can get into conversations with almost anyone. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some things you have to do right in order for, for that to be possible for you. But um, I regularly chat back and forth with people I've never heard of and may never meet. Uh, and, and I have those same kinds of, kinds of conversations with, um, with other people that I follow as well. And so I've just found it to be really accessible. You can reach anyone and sometimes you can get into an actual conversation that can lead to, uh, to a growing relationship over time. So, um, that's kind of some of the stuff we love about Twitter. We, we would be remiss if we didn't get into some of the things we hate about Twitter as well. Cause just like any platform, it has its downsides. The first one I will say is uh, I most hate Twitter users who have no profile photo. They have some like fake or, you know, um, facetious name in their profile. And all they do is troll people. And they just respond to whatever you're saying authentically with like a bunch of reasons why it's not true or all the reasons why you're an idiot or whatever. Those people drive me crazy on Twitter. I think you're describing just Russian bots. I think that, <laughs> I think that uh, if anything, the last you know few elections have taught us that, uh, yeah, that's that's that side of it. But you're right, and I think you come across those. I, I don't tend to encounter them in my own audience, but it's when I interact on some much bigger thread or some topic that's going somewhere that then I somehow get into this. You know, it's it's like stepping foot in the wrong room, and you're like interacting with everybody, and then you're like. Yeah, what am I even doing here? And you realize you can back out and close the door and, and yeah. leave that conversation. I've especially found that to be true when you're talking to someone who um, has context about you and you have context about them and then someone else jumps in and and they're bringing all of their own perspective on life and their assumptions to the conversation. Mm-hmm. And they might call you out on something or um, try and insert themselves into the conversation in a way that's actually not relevant um, but they're kind of bringing their, their own bias to it, even though they are actually missing a whole big piece of what's going on. Right. I'd say that's my biggest thing. The other thing is like, I just pretty much stay away from the political Twitter kind of side of things. Um, you know, everyone's got a right to post about political views on any platform they're on and that's fine. Like I'll, I'll tolerate some of it and the people I follow occasionally, but in general, I'm not, I'm not, not getting into, into that stuff publicly. I'm, I'm, I love having an in-depth um, nuanced conversation about societal issues over a good meal or a cocktail or something mm-hmm. like that. 
but there's no room for nuance really on social media most of the time. And, um, you're, my experience is that I'm just asking for trouble if I even try to wade into those topics. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that's interesting is there's a lot of really thoughtful people putting out great content on Twitter. You know, if you follow people like Naval, who we've referenced before, um, and so many other people across our range of spectrums, I think one thing with everything around with COVID that I've really appreciated is like individual doctors threads getting, you know, they're not some Twitter expert. Like you look at maybe their profile and they've got 300 followers or something like that, but they've had this platform to be able to do a whole tweet storm. And then that gets retweeted and gets shared all over the place. And you're hearing directly from them, not hear, you know, of what's going on in the San Francisco medical systems or what's, you know, what they're seeing on the ground. And it's not filtered through like a reporter writing about it. It's their exact perspective, their exact quotes. And so I really appreciate that. But there's no way on Twitter for these two experts, for example, to have this discussion or debate without everybody being able to weigh in. Like I think about it, it's been a long time since I've been to one of these, but you know, when I was in college, I used to really like going to the political debates that the different departments would put on where, I don't know, I remember one of them was basically like, uh, it was Abraham Lincoln, you know, an incredible great leader or did he set up uh, so much of the things for failure, right? And you're like, of course, Abraham Lincoln was fantastic. And you're like, okay, but I'll, I'll sit and listen to this. And you hear this really thoughtful debate and like no one in the audience is allowed to just chime in at any moment. And Twitter is not like that. Like a podcast could be, you know, you can have just this back and forth, but Twitter, you have that element of like anybody in the audience can just like throw something in and pull it off on every random tangent. And so that's where you got to be really, really thoughtful about what you participate in. Side note, that would be a really good podcast. Hmm. If you were like really smart in an area of, uh, or, or had deep expertise in an area and you just invited people on who had uh, different perspectives from you on different topics and debated them, that would be fascinating. Anyways, let me know if you start that and I'll listen. Um, uh, Teddy had a great question that I thought was relevant for one of the first things. I, I thought we kind of transitioned into some of the tactics yeah. we've used successfully on Twitter. And one thing I love as our team well knows, is a good Twitter thread. I, I love reading them and I love making them. And Teddy asked if we ever use Twitter for outlining potential and future content for our personal websites. Uh, and the answer is definitely yes. I actually have a list in my Todoist app of writing ideas and many of them link to a Twitter thread that I've done that was decently popular. Um, a great example of this was I did a thread on how to get hired at a great company like convert kit mm -hmm. and just kind of shared some of the things that we do that might be a little unorthodox or that might, um, kind of break down the perception that anytime you apply to a role, it's just a robot scanning your, your resume for keywords. Um, and that's not true for a lot of places, but certainly for convert kit it is. Um, and so I did this long thread on how to get hired here and I mean, it got a ton of traction and that should absolutely be a blog post. And that's, kind of my intention when I do something like that is the reason I start with Twitter is number one, it allows me to see if the, the ideas resonate, which I really like that immediate kind of feedback to see if it's worth spending all the time writing a long form essay with editing and everything else involved. But secondly, um, it kind of is just an outline. Like I can just do my bullet point thoughts on Twitter, mm -hmm. a tweet at a time. And I don't have to build all the connective tissue. You know, writing is a pain in the ass. A lot of the times you have to like really sit down and think about how your ideas work together. A tweet thread, you can just like bullet one, two, three, four, 33. 
and then See, have a really informational thing. <laughs> 33 was not a joke. Oh, man. Anyway, keep going. That, that's the core of it. Um, I think tweet threads, if you have expertise on a topic and you do a tweet thread, or I, I think of it almost like this. We're going to do an episode on content strategy uh, probably later this week. And if you made a list of content ideas, I think Twitter could be a really great way to validate them. And then if you validate it by doing a thread and seeing people engage with it, at the end would be a really great place to end up linking to the post you eventually um, publish or or a YouTube video or podcast episode or quote tweeting, sorry, retweeting with quote your own original thread mm -hmm. and then adding here's a post I wrote to like bring this all together is a really effective way to gain interest up front and then to re-promote the thread and your finished product after it's done. So I've found tweet threads to be, I've gained a lot of followers from tweet threads. Um, and it's kind of like sending an email where you're going to lose some people who just don't care what you're talking about. And then you'll gain a lot more. Yep. One of my other favorite ways to use Twitter is for business updates of, you know, probably the most common way I use Twitter is to just link off to things that I've wrote, written and all of that. But uh, tweet threads that you're most likely to find me doing is like an update on something that we're doing and like a behind the scenes look. So kind of a work in public style. But so for example, after we did profit sharing this last February, I realized, oh, I should give it, you know, I've talked about profit sharing years ago. I don't really feel like writing a whole new post on it right now, but I can just say, I mean, actually what happened is I was staring at a graph of our profit sharing trended over time. And I thought, okay, let me share this. And then it was like, okay, well now it needs some historical context. And then it needs details on how we run profit sharing overall. And uh, then it you know, needs a little bit more philosophy in there. And before I know it, there was five or six tweets um, about profit sharing with a mix of written text, uh, screenshots of graphs, you know, and then links off to some more detailed articles where I've talked about it more. And that thread ended up getting shared around a lot. I think because it's so approachable. Someone can interact and be like, oh, you do it that way. And it gets retweeted. They think it's really cool. Maybe there's other profit first companies that, you know, are trying to bring more people around to their way of thinking. So they retweet it. And I, I just find that that gets a lot of traction. I got invited to go on a couple podcasts just from that thread. Uh, another one that I've done is like an update on uh, freemium at ConvertKit, you know, and so how the move of launching the free plan, how that's been going and, and just thinking, okay, what, what did I start, you know, maybe a month ago, three months ago, six months ago that I could update on? Like one that would be fascinating is if you've been on a, a health and fitness journey or a, a, say a diet and nutrition journey this year, if you did a tweet thread on what you've learned about that, I would, that would be amazing. I, I would love reading that of here's where I was at. Here's what I was working on. Here's what actually worked, you know, and changing it and going from there. I think that uh, that goes really well. It makes me think of um, AJ who runs the website card, which is a, a free website builder. Um, he has this tweet thread that I think goes back maybe three or four years right now. And it's just every single update he's ever made to card. He just replies to the same Whoa. tweet thread. So Barry, he's got you beat on length, but he has been at it for a long time. I'm impressed. Yeah. And it's, it's fun because he'll quote tweet certain sections of it when he wants to refer back to it, but it's one really long thread to just say like, Hey, I'm working in public. Here's everything you want to know. And it lowers the barrier for an update. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely does. Um, another tactic I love to use, uh, I'll share my screen for those watching live, um, is 
to reply. So, so Corey McCabe asked, what about when you only have one of three people who ever see your tweets? And that gets right at this tactic here, which is replying to people who have very large followings. So James Clear, one of our, our good friends, best-selling author of Atomic Habits, he has 273,000 followers on Twitter, which is a lot. <laughs> and just one, let's see, I guess it was a Friday afternoon. I was taking a break from yard work and just happened to log on to Twitter right when he tweeted this question. What is one interesting idea or concept you can summarize in a single tweet? Any topic is fair game. And what I realized was that James was encouraging other people to do what he does in his newsletters. His newsletters are quick thoughts that are high impact. And I I had been thinking quite a bit about you know, what, like, what is James methodology for getting to these thoughts? And I realized this question gets at it. He, he just sits and thinks, what is one thing I believe to be true? And what is the or most succinct way I can summarize it? So anyways, I was like the first person to respond to this just because I happened to be on Twitter right when he tweeted it. And I was a little bit messing around with him because I did like four or five in a row. Um, I, and then I texted him. I was like, hey, I'm just going to reply with my hundred best ideas to your Twitter thread. Anyways, I responded with this one. And so he had 762 replies. I think this was the first or second one was a person's best thinking is rarely communicated through synchronous conversation. I think this is something that we've kind of learned together in running ConvertKit, kind of seeing the power of writing and taking a step back with, um, you know, really thinking about what you're trying to, to share rather than being in conversation and letting emotions get in the way. And it ended up getting 94 retweets and 710 likes, and it is still just floating around Twitter today. So uh, click on see, uh, 10 days later. view tweet activity. I'm, I'm curious. So people are gonna, going to want to know um, how much engagement it's gotten. Uh, so it's gotten 67,568 impressions and 2,279 total engagements. Um, I'm not sure how many followers I've gained, but if it's been a lot. If you click view all engagements, it will tell you. Uh, oh, well, that says follows one. So maybe this, uh, but like you can see profile clicks 235. So mm-hmm. I imagine that's. Yes. And a decent number of those have followed me since then. I think that I've definitely had that with tweets where it says, like, you see all these followers coming in way beyond what it says. You click like, okay, this tweet drove how much of it? And it's like, yeah, you got two followers from that. And I'm like, <laughs> I think there's an attribution problem going on here. Um, if we looked at my if we looked at my stats overall, though, I think my my Twitter followers have grown a couple hundred in the last ten days, which is abnormally high. Yeah, especially given that I haven't actually been that active lately. Yeah, for sure. So another question that came up. Um, let's see who wrote this. I think. Oh, Clayton uh, said, how narrowly do you suggest focusing on topics when you're trying to build an engaged following? So as an example here, I want to pull up a guy named David Perel. So he's written about a lot of different things, but now he's actually kind of all in on writing. And so what he's got going on, so, okay, here's a good example. He's got 61,000 followers on Twitter. I think that maybe when I started following him, he was at 20,000. He's been growing like crazy. I'm like, his, his pinned tweet is on business writing, you know, how to make it good. And that's got 563 retweets and that's a lot of retweets, 4,000 favorites. So what he's done, he's focused in completely on writing so much so that when you go to his bio, it says the writing guy. And so he's engaged conversations and created lists of people um, and started to follow other writers to basically get into that ecosystem. And he's put in a lot of different, yeah, a lot of different effort into how to be good at writing and how to cut through it. So his primary thing, 
see if I can find a few tweets that are examples, which there's a way to just go to his popular tweets. But what you can see if you follow his stuff is that he tries to put as much content on Twitter as possible. And you'll see him try out a few different, like really punchy ideas and ways of summing things up. Um, it might be the same idea and he might write it four or five different times. Uh, and it's really good. And I came across his stuff cause I was like, this is like, he's putting out the exact same things that I would love to say. Um, he's just actually taking the time to do it while I'm off in another direction. Yeah. And you know, he's focused and I, I like that. I, I like to give myself a little more latitude on Twitter. You know, if I'm going to be focused in my writing on my blog and things like that, Twitter, number one, people follow or follow faces over logos the majority of the time. Yep. For sure. You know, brands definitely get followers, but in terms of engagement, people follow faces. And what I mean by that is individuals versus brands. And so being an individual with a face and a real name is a real opportunity to gain followers in and of itself. Secondly, some people build like a, a brand on Twitter that's really focused. Some people will do like the comedy thing. Uh, I want to say Alexis Gay, I yep. think is her name at Patreon. She's got a whole brand around um, uh, just humor on Twitter. There's a, a another developer named, I think Cassidy Toth, maybe. I, I might be In the uh, missing community. her last name. Yeah. And she does the same kind of thing, like funny videos, working from home as a engineer. And so that's kind of a shtick, right? And it works really well. I'm not saying a shtick in a negative way. That's just like, that's what they're doing is they're being funny on Twitter and that's their tactic. My tactic is I'm going to share what I'm interested in. So that's largely, most of the time, that's going to focus on remote work, running companies, entrepreneurship, things like that. But I'm definitely, I'm going to hit hard on kind of where I say I live at the intersection. Servant leadership, meaningful work, and solving the world's most important problems. So you're going to get a good dose of like climate change and um, environmentalism and conservation of animal species and stuff like that mixed in with my businessy type stuff. And I think all of those things go hand in hand because that's just where I'm trying to live. And then occasionally I'll say, sorry, sports tweet, and then just go off on something related to sports because it's like, I don't want to cut pieces of my identity right. out just because I want to tweet one thing that you're not interested in today. And so I'll caveat it maybe, but I will say I do limit myself. Sometimes I'll have random, just funny thoughts. I'm, I, I can be a little spontaneous at times in person with people I know well. And um, sometimes I'll want to like kind of let that carefree side out on Twitter too. And I'll limit that kind of thing because I do think that would be counterproductive to me continuing to both serve the people that are following with good information and good interactions. And also it's just not, it's not like what I want to be publicly known for. I want to be known for that with my friends and I want to be carefree with the people I care most about. But that's not, while it would be fun in the moment, that's not what I'm trying to do with my kind of public business profile. Yeah. And I think what you're doing there is just being really deliberate of knowing, you know, you've, you've outlined the topics that you want to get on. It's more broad than, for example, what David Perel is doing, but it is still deliberate and intentional. One criticism that I've often heard of Twitter is that it's for like these throwaway comments or it's for, you know, just quick conversation, right? Cause it's limited to 280 characters. Um, so I want to show an example from a guy named Steve Skoger, Schroger. I'm realizing in this moment that I've actually never said his last name out loud, uh, even though I've followed him on Twitter for years. Uh, he does these great design tips where he'll put out uh, something where we'll say like talking about uh, blank slates in, des in design, right? So instead of saying just like no workouts yet, you can actually design it out, have a nice illustration and then say, track your workout. And so he'll, you know, design this custom image 
have text that goes with it for a full design tip. So you, if you follow him on Twitter, you can just browse through and come across all this great design information. Let me find another one, right? This one is talking about how to, how to do colors in design. And he'll have these really actionable tips where he's basically saying like, do this, not that, you know? And so he's making it really, really clean. And what he's done is gone way beyond the normal quality of content. And when he does that, it makes it really stand out. For example, this one on table design has 855 retweets, which means it's getting in front of a crazy number of people. So if you put in that effort to go above and beyond whatever the standard is on Twitter and really on any platform, but I think Twitter is especially um, open and eager for it, then you can grow an audience really well. And if we look at Steve, he's got 80,000 followers on Twitter. So it's clearly working. Yep. Love it. Well, uh, we are running out of time. Clearly, we've got a lot we can share about about Twitter. Um, if you have other questions, Q&A Friday is always a good one uh, just for follow-ups and things like that. Um, if you like this episode, let us know. Tweet at us, maybe. <laughs> uh, and let us know you liked it. And maybe we'll dive in on some other platforms uh, and kind of do deep dives there as well. Boo, boo, doo, 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 creator of the day. That was a nice little riff at the end. I like that. <laughs> that was, that's good. All right, Barry, who do you got today? Today, um, I realized actually sometimes I, I have not shared some of the creators I've been following for the longest. And so this creator of the day is someone I've been following for years and years now. His name's Dan Carlin. He makes a podcast called Hardcore History. He's also got another podcast that is on political topics from a centrist point of view. And I really appreciate that. He's kind of, I guess if you had to label him, he might be libertarian-ish, but he's not really beholden to any particular party's way of thinking, which I really appreciate. But I'm primarily a fan of Hardcore History, which is a fantastic, you know, he does many series that are like documentary length per episode. He'll do multi-hour episodes Mm -hmm. on things like World Wars or the Huns or um, any number of historical topics. And he's not a a trained historian or anything. He's just a nerd about history and he loves researching it and uh, loves sharing it. He drives my wife a little crazy. I'll just give you the forewarning because he can ramble at times or kind of like go on a rabbit hole about this one little scene in a war or something like that. I personally love that stuff, um, but I'm a big fan of things like biographies and historical fiction and other things like that. So if you are a history buff, or maybe if you just want to try something new in that realm, Hardcore History has got to be one of the best shows in podcasts out there. Love it. Yep. I think I've listened to maybe every Hardcore History episode at this point. That's quite the backlog. So I probably missed something, but it's so good. It's just all battles and wars and political intrigue and everything else, (laughs) but it's from like the, you know, first century BC or something instead of modern times. All right. My creator of the day is actually uh, a listener of the show uh, who often turns in and that's Keshna Donia. Um, So if you can check out her stuff at doniastudio.co and uh, she's got a great YouTube channel as well. That's up and coming and growing. So uh, yeah, just doing great hand lettering work like that. And, uh, definitely would check out her work. I've gone down a little bit of a rabbit hole following her on dribble and other places, uh, cause she does great work. So cash and I would love having you listening to us on a regular basis and, uh, I'm excited to follow more of what you do. 
Love it. Um, I don't have a resource of the day today. Do you need? I do. Okay. So I mentioned last week uh, to everyone following that I broke our shower. Anyway, I fixed it. <laughs> Basically, I upgraded the shower head and all of that. And then somehow it gradually got jammed or something. And it, like the water pressure died. Uh, so it got to a very sad amount of water that would come out when you turn it on. Anyway, I took it all apart, fixed it. Turns out there was like a like a water saver thing that had gotten all clogged. And so I took all that out. Now there's a ridiculous amount of water pressure. It's amazing. But it made me think, my number one pro tip, if you happen to be over six feet tall or know someone who is over six feet tall, buy one of these. It takes all of- I have- Literally never thought about this. <laughs> okay. So basically what it does is it takes that shower head that comes right out of the wall. And I think that when houses were built, say 10, 20, 30 years ago, um, I like to imagine that vertical pipe was a very expensive thing. Like maybe if the pipe runs vertically for the shower, it has to be gold plated. I don't know. It's the only explanation I can come up with for the fact that so many showers come out at like five foot five. And uh, anyway... For $21, you can buy this thing. It's super easy to install and it raises the shower head by like eight to 10 inches. So it's basically the best thing ever. And, uh, you know, I could even see traveling with one of these. If I ever find myself in a hotel where it's too small, I'll just, you know, replumb their shower really quick. I won't, I won't do that. That would get me in trouble. (laughs) I am so thrilled (laughs) that we have a resource of the day section of the show. (laughs) If you're over six feet tall, congratulations. You finally have an advocate in Nathan Berry. Oh, man. Well, for a thought of the day, here is what I have for you. Uh, No platform is the perfect place to grow an audience, and Twitter is the exact same. My thinking is that your best shot is to go all in on one place to start and really focus on connecting with other people authentically and especially focus on conversations over loudspeakering. If you can really get used to not just promoting yourself, but engaging with people on whatever platform you choose, I think that's going to lead over time to a really good following. Um, and the great thing is because of the asymmetry of Twitter, where someone doesn't have to be following you for you to reply, you can start today with zero followers and uh, get going building a following. So hope you enjoy the episode today and uh, we'll be back as always tomorrow. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you didn't pick it up from the show, we make a tool called ConvertKit where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. If you want to give ConvertKit a try, you can go to landingpage.new to launch your next creative project. You'll be able to build a landing page and send emails for up to 500 subscribers totally for free. So again, that's landingpage.new. You can get started with your free ConvertKit account today. Yeah.